have the courage to act outwardly on what you see inwardly? Or will you die a dreamer? Will you die on the verge and on the edge and in the land of coulda, woulda, and shoulda? Do you have the courage? I'm, I'm going to drop something on you. It takes courage to be successful. It is far easier not to be successful. Misery will always have company. Success breeds contempt. If you don't want to make waves, be mediocre. Be normal and fit in. And if you're more concerned about people than you are God, then neutralize everything he put in you. Just fit in with everybody else. Dress like them, walk like them, act like them, eat like them, go where they go, think like they think, do what they do. And once you've neutralized your uniqueness, you don't need courage. It takes courage to be different. It takes courage to go where you've never gone before. For some of you, it took courage to come to this conference. It takes courage to get you outside of the bar. It takes courage to be successful. It takes courage to win. People don't talk about people that don't win. If you win, they're going to talk about you. Do you have the courage to stand there though the storms keep raging and the people get to talking and you stand there and say, I've come too far to turn around? Do you have the courage? I'm going I'm to say something to you. It takes courage to be exceptional. It takes courage to be wise. It takes courage to be rich. It takes courage to be educated. It takes courage to be knowledgeable. Because the moment you do, but you, you don't talk like you know, you don't got forgot where you came from. Look at you talking. It takes courage. And I'm just wondering, in this weak, watered-down, mediocre society that we live in today. In this reality TV world we live in today, I'm wondering if there's anybody left that's got the courage to say after all I've been through and all my ancestors have been through and all my parents have been through, I didn't come through all of that just to fit in with normalcy. I have the courage to go after my dream. Is there a woman left in this entire Coliseum that's got some morning we're gonna talk about courage <laughs> um, so as we were getting ready for uh, we went through that this morning kind of just making sure everything's good uh, David Limer goes oh if you're gonna have Bishop T.D. Jakes start your sermon and I was like yeah he goes well you should probably keep going even through your sermon and I was like okay okay David relax dude um, no nah, I, lo I love Bishop T.D. Jakes I was I was able to actually be a part of one of his services in Dallas when I lived in Texas. Um, having him preach and Brett Hammond lead worship, it was a really cool experience. But um, so this morning, I've actually preached this sermon before to teenagers. And it's not going to be super full of deep theological revelations. Um, that's for Pastor Billy to, to tackle. Um, it's not going to be a super 
motives. I don't, I don't speak like Bishop PJ, so I'm not super passionate yelling at you this morning. But this morning is going to be kind of a call up and a call out. And we're going to get to that in a little bit. But, but I want to call us up to something. Then I want to call us out to something else. And we're going to dive into that. So if you want to go ahead and grab your Bible, we are going to start reading in Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a pretty cool guy. Um, what he did took bold boldness, uh, it took courage, it took bravery, and he walked out confident. We're going to start in Nehemiah chapter 1, and we're going to go through verses 1 through 3. So Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. If you're there, say, hey yo. We'll get somebody to say it. All right, so Nehemiah chapter 1, 1 through 3. Uh, it says, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. I hope I got it right there. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. I pray that you would be with, be with us in this time. Um, speak through me. Uh, whatever I have to say, I pray that it would fall to the ground. Whatever you have to say would, would permeate my heart. And I pray it in Jesus' name. So quick background. Uh, the book of Nehemiah actually takes place after Esther. Uh, the Jews were allowed to go back uh, to Jerusalem because Babylon had been defeated. Uh, so there were still some people going back to Jerusalem. There were still some people still in Susa. Uh, Nehemiah was actually still in Susa. And some of his boys came back. And he kind of finds out what's going on in Jerusalem. Uh, finds out about the ruins and the walls and everything that's been destroyed. So Nehemiah starts praying. Uh, he asks um, for favor. For um, confidence and and all these things, and we're going to pick up in verse four actually. And my first point is that it all starts in prayer. Everything we do starts in prayer. Uh, let's pick it up in verse four. about the stuff going down in Jerusalem and everything and going back. He says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. And for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed until the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servant, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Ezra. 
Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me, obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty arm. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant, to the prayer of your servant who delight in the reverence of your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of the king. I was a cupbearer for the king. So first thing, it starts off in prayer. Everything we do as believers starts off in prayer. Um, one of my heroes, his name is Matty Montgomery. Uh, he says, no man can be great for God who has not first been great with God. I'll repeat that. It says, no man can be great for God who has not first been great with God. We must be right before God before we can take on anything. Um, we have to, one, confess our sins. That's what Nehemiah did. He asked for forgiveness. We have to spend time in his word. We have to pray for his strength to live it out. A common theme for kingdom culture is being bold. Nehemiah had to be bold here. He asked for favor from the king. I think that's okay. I think it's okay for, for us to ask for favor uh, from man. Not that we would get any attention, not that the spotlight's on us, but so that we can ask God to use people that are in within our sphere of influence to help us on the mission and on the call that he has on our life. Next, um, he mentions in here that he was a cupbearer to the king. Your status in life doesn't define the impact you have in the kingdom. You could be as close to the king as a cupbearer, or you could be as far away as a servant. It doesn't matter where you are in life. It doesn't matter if it's your status or your rank. All of us have an opportunity to make an impact in the kingdom. He's given us that, that grace. He's given that to us, that opportunity for all of us to make an impact. And when, it move, when something moves you like this moves Nehemiah to fast, to pray day and night, to seek the Lord. Um, I think at one point he said, that he was, um, he was like, he wept for days. First of all, he said, I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. So some days I've mourned and fasted. When something like this moves Nehemiah, if it, if it moves you like this, then it's time for you to act. When something like this moves on you like it moved on Nehemiah, it's time for you to act. Secondly, we got to get ready for the haters. We got to get ready for the haters. If you want to go down to chapter 2. To Nehemiah chapter 2. Verse 19 and 20. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? 
I answered him by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. See, the enemy doesn't want us to succeed. When we're, when we're on a mission, the Lord has placed us and has a call on our life, the enemy doesn't want us to succeed. Jay Sidlow Baxter said, there is no winning without working and warring. There is no opportunity without opposition. There is no open door set before us without there being many adversaries to obstruct our, ob- to obstruct our entrance. Whenever the saints say, let us arise and build, the enemy says, let us arise and oppose. There is no triumph without trouble. There is no victory without vig- vigilance. There is a cross in the way for every crown that is worth bearing. The enemy doesn't want to succeed. When God calls us and he equips us, the enemy does not want to see that come to pass. So there's going to be things in our life that kind of maybe trip us up or the enemy's going to try and trip us up. But my encouragement is to you, don't let it discourage you. Let it feed the fire inside you. Growing up, I was a super competitive person. I played sports. High school, I played football. Super competitive. And anytime somebody told me that I couldn't do something, well, I was going to do it and then go above them. So whether it was teammates trying to challenge me to do better or if it was the opposite team talking trash, get down my three-point stance, I'm going to smack you in the mouth when I get up. Sorry. And it's going to be, it's going to hurt. It's going to be hard. You told me that I couldn't, so therefore I'm going to. So when the, when the enemy tries to come against us, and you feel like we can't get anywhere because it's just one thing after another, don't let it discourage you. Let it feed the fire inside you. Don't be surprised when people don't agree with you. Don't be surprised when friends or family, they see what you're doing for the Lord. Maybe you're called to, to ministry or to missions or you're called to the workplace to, to, to reach people for Christ. And you're open about it and you're bold about it. Don't be surprised when people don't support you. In that moment, we have an opportunity and we have a decision to make. Are we going to pray for him, or are we just going to turn our back on him? Thirdly, Nehemiah wasn't just building a wall. He was building a culture. Nehemiah wasn't just building a wall. He was building a culture. Nehemiah was walking out in boldness. He was speaking with courage and bravery. He was living fearlessly. And he was building that culture to do the same. See, we live in a world that's full of fear. We, we live in a world that's full of doubt and brokenness. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, it says that God has not given us Christians a spirit of fear. But he's given us um, power, love, and a sound mind. And I think it's time for us as a church to, to follow suit. I think it's, it, it's time for for us as the church to walk out in that same power, that same love, that same sound mind. And I really believe 
it is time for us to be the fearless ones. That we are the fearless. Not on our own strength, not on my own doing, but because of God's work through us. It's time that we are courageous and it's time that we are bold. And we do that by not using Sundays as a landing pad. But instead, we use it as a launching pad. I get it. I've been there. We have weeks where it feels like if I just could get to Sunday. And weeks are hard. And I'm, I'm there with you. I've been there. But if we can train ourselves and train our minds and, and to, to be in one with the spirit, we can use Sundays as a launching pad. That we don't just skip through the week and, and try to block out the noise or block out people. Block out opportunities just so we can get to Sunday and we just, <sighs> I'm good. But instead, if we can use this as a launching pad, that we can use this as an opportunity to refuel, reload, and to get ready to meet those opportunities throughout the week. Then we come back on Sunday and we reload and we refuel, we launch back out into the week. I want us to use Sundays as a launching pad, not a landing pad. And, uh, and lastly, Destin, if you want to go ahead. Thank you. We have a sword in one hand and a hammer in the other. If you want to jump down to chapter 4. Chapter 4, we'll start in verse 12. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack at you. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers post themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. And those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. They had a sword in one hand and a hammer in the other. picture 
is a pretty powerful picture of God's people. They were ready for anything that came against them. But they were also willing to love their neighbors as themselves. They were ready for an attack by the enemy. But they were also building their culture and building themselves back up. Now, obviously, we don't play around with tools. still the fearless ones because we have this tool and it says in correct me if I'm wrong Hebrews 4 that says that this is alive and active Sharper than any double-edged sword. Yep, Hebrews 4, I was right. This right here, this book is our sword now. Now, obviously, the Israelites back then, they were waiting for an actual physical attack. I don't see it ever recorded in, in the Bible where anyone actually attacked them. But they were ready. They were ready for anything. We don't fight against flesh and blood. Uh, Paul talks about in Ephesians 6, he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So obviously I'm not carrying that sword out there and I'm going to take down anybody that opposes me. But I am carrying this with me wherever I go. So that when the enemy tries to attack my mind, tries to attack my thoughts, tries to attack my heart, I have this. This is not something new for all of you here. You've heard this before. But I want to call you up. It's time to build and it's time to fight. It's time for us to, to pick up our sword and to pick up our hammer. It's time to fight the enemy and build the culture around us. We fight the enemy by being in the word. And we build up the culture by giving up our time for others. We fight the enemy by quoting and memorizing scripture. And we build our culture by serving each other. We fight the enemy by living out what this thing says. We fight the enemy by living out what this says. Christians acting like Christians. And we build out the culture by praying and supporting our local community groups. It's going to take guts. It's going to take boldness. It's going to take courage. And it's going to take fearlessness to do that. My last point is that Nehemiah and the nation of Israel were never alone. 
always had each other. They always had one another's back. They had a sword and a hammer in each hand. They had a sword ready to fight for, for each other. And they had a hammer that was ready to build for each other. We are not alone. God is with us, obviously, that's a given. But we also have each other. We have this church, we have this, this family, this body, this community. God never left Nehemiah and he's never gonna leave us. And God has put each and every one of us in each other's lives for a reason and for a purpose. And I think it's time that we stand up we unite together as the church, not to, not to go out there and, and fight people, but to fight back against the enemy with this. Because just like Paul said, we don't, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against the enemy, against Satan, who tries to, to attack and, 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 and hinder our walk. So we do that by fighting with this. And we build up a culture around this. We're the fearless ones. We are fearless. So let's walk out in that as we fight and as we build. Let's pray. God, I thank you for tonight, for today, excuse me. Thank you for today, this morning. I thank you for everybody that's in this room, Father. I pray that you would give us the boldness to walk out what you've called us to do. That you would walk out, um, that we would walk out in, in your goodness, the courage that you've given us and trusted in us, Father. I pray that we would fight together, fight against the enemy. I pray that we as Christians would act like Christians and follow this word and fight the enemy. And in the other hand, build up our culture, build up our community, build up our church, build up the ones around us by serving and giving up our time. God, thank you for what you're doing and what you've done in this place this morning. Father, be with us for the rest of this day. God, I ask for opportunities this week for us to be fearless, for us to walk out in courage and boldness. Give us opportunities to build a culture around this. Amen, I pray. Amen. So um, we're going to continue uh, with our worship service, uh, with the giving of our tithes.